Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today to discuss the documentary Beyond Borders, which you can watch exclusively on Discovery+. Plus. You might recognize my first guest from Parks and Recreation or his own brilliant shows, John Glazer Loves Gear, Delocated, and Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter. It is an honor to welcome to the show, John Glazer. Howdy. How's it going, John? Really good announcer voice, Ethan. Really good announcer voice. Thanks. I try to dial it up a little bit for the show. Solid. Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, And first of all, John, I really have to say thank you. For your work oh. over the years, you've brought me joy on occasions, tears to my eyes. And there's one thing I really wanted to ask you about, which is the forget buddies Sure. So what, how did that... What you want to ask? I, I just want to know how it came to be and if you did it multiple times, because my buddies and I still quote that performance that's on YouTube. And I just, I wasn't sure what the whole deal was with that. It's like a been a mystery to me for years and years. I think the first time we did it was we, we you know, the band Yola Tango, which is a celebrated indie band. Um, we're friends with those guys. They're big comedy fans. And they, they would do these shows and they still started doing them again at this club called Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey uh, during Hanukkah. They do a show every night of Hanukkah. Uh, they'd have special musical guests and a, and a comedian uh, guest as well. And they would donate all the money to a different charity every night. It was a ton of work that they did, but the shows were just incredible. They did them for years. And John and I were regular performers on the shows. And uh, we'd usually just kind of be pretty lazy about our stuff. And we would, on the drive from Manhattan to Hoboken, I don't know, it's about 30 minutes or whatever with traffic and however much. And we would just try to think of something on the way. And I can't remember how we came up with the Forget Buddies. But it was pretty much uh, on the way there that we thought about it uh, with, you know, because we were trying to think if these guys were Jewish and then, you know, the punchline, never forget about it uh, for 9-11. So we kind of just thought of it on the way. And the thing on YouTube is not the first. That was the first time we did it was in Hoboken. Mm. I'm not sure where that YouTube show was. Okay, so you did do it multiple times then. Yeah, we've done it many times, including at this uh, music festival where we probably went on for about... 35 to 40 minutes and then forgot 
the whole punchline. <laughs> and we came off stage, and a friend of ours was in the audience, and he comes running back, and he's like, you guys didn't do the punchline. We were like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> to make an audience sit through that without the payoff, it's just horrible. Um, well, uh, John, I, I could ask you a million questions about all of your projects. I'm a huge, huge fan, but we got to talk about Beyond Borders, and I got to introduce the next guest. Sure. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Not a problem. Great. Thank you. Uh, our second guest is a flippin' aerospace engineer at NASA and the CEO of Launchpad. Welcome to the show, Sabrina Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, I, I have to mention also, Sabrina, you're an artist that goes by the moniker Nefertiti Pocahontas. <laughs> and I was doing some research and I loved your work. I thought it was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So nice. Uh, you, you also have a book series, I should mention, called Girl in Space. And you're pursuing a PhD in atmospheric physics. Is this all true? Okay, that last part. <laughs> it was true. But uh, I, I, you know, I got into the uh, science realm because I wanted to work on missions that um, gave me a, a way to kind of contribute to like this whole climate change research. And so that's why I went into atmospheric physics and on the path to getting the Ph.D., I ended up uh, pretty much working on um, getting a spot on on a, a earth science mission study that's basically for a future mission. And so uh, it's not like I'm going to get a pay raise or anything if I continue to put myself through hell with the Ph.D. So I recently <laughs> got the master's and got out of there. That's awesome. Can you tell us about this future mission? Is that up for public knowledge? Well, I mean, sure. In general, um, it's it's going to be a mission where you where we'll be able to uh, use all these different earth science kind of like related instruments in uh, certain orbits. I can't I don't think I can say which kind. And I don't know if you would know <laughs> the difference between any of them anyway. But it's some I would. You would. <laughs> it's yeah. some it's some competitive stuff there. But for the most part, sure. uh, the, the, the goal of the mission is to really help us to understand this thing called the radiative budget. And if we could understand oh, yeah. if we could understand how, you know, like the clouds, aerosol, all the things we do, whether it's pollution, whether it's natural phenomena, how all these things play a role in like warming up the climate or cooling it down. Um, it will help us to better understand like how the climate is changing and why. Awesome. Um, I have a, a lot of climate change questions, actually. This documentary touched on it a few times. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you guys first, uh, you both seem like really productive individuals. If you have tips in that department, are you chugging a nitro cold brew every hour <laughs> on the hour? Uh, or do you like matcha? Uh, John, I mean, do you are you a coffee guy? What's what's your deal? I enjoy the occasional uh, cold brew. Uh, with a little bit of oat milk and maple syrup, like a shot. Uh, or I'll do a green tea uh, with... Uh, maple syrup is my go-to sweetener. Uh, maybe a green tea with, uh, again, a little oat milk and a little maple syrup. Usually ice it if it's in the disgusting summer like it is now. Are we we're talking one a day? Or are you a, a double dipper? Yeah, probably one a day, every now and then two. Okay. Sabrina? Tea. I'm all about the herbal teas. Uh, sometimes, you know, depending on 
um, you know, what I'm working on. I might need some caffeine. So it's usually, you know, caffeinated tea, but tea is my thing. Yeah. I'm a tea girl. Awesome. Okay. Good to know. Uh, clean sounds like, so we're here to discuss, like I said, beyond borders, which of course you can watch on discovery plus. And I figured we should start with some softball type questions. The first one that comes to mind for me is that it seems really dangerous to fly a single engine plane around the world. And they went into some of these dangers, but but which ones stick out to you, Sabrina? If somebody said you're gonna be flying, you're you're going next week, you're on a trip around the world on a single engine plane, what would what would you be most afraid of? So the first thing I would think about is like, you know, in general when you fly you think about a contingency plan. And if you have a single <laughs> engine, there is no contingency plan. <laughs> that engine goes out you go down that's it (laughs) god yeah that seems terrible Uh, i mean have you ever flown in one of those or flown one of those i have not flown myself but i mean i've i've sat in like the passenger side the co-pilot seat and um i will tell you just with fair weather you know sometimes the the turbulence because those planes are so small like you feel everything for the most part (laughs) Yeah, we didn't see much of that in the film. There wasn't a lot of like turbulence shots, and I was a little bit, yeah, stunned by that. John, have you been in one of these tiny, tiny nanoplanes? No, no thanks. <laughs> the closest I've been to that was when I was doing, uh, when I was doing Second City Touring Company. We did a few trips that were required required us to fly. A lot of it was around, you know, it's based in Chicago. A lot of it was around the Midwest when we could drive. But there was a few shows that we would have to fly to. And we flew once to California and it was flying from, I think, San Francisco to Monterey. So we took a very small plane, but, you know, probably 20 people in it, but nothing like the two-seater that they had or the three or four-seater. And that was plenty for me. You know, we we had a crazy drop on the descent to the airport and it was absolutely terrifying i have no desire to get in one of those two three seaters i'm sure it's fun yeah for flight enthusiasts i mean sabrina you probably had fun but i i I guess i'm more i'm more afraid anytime that you hear about these planes going down it seems like it's always these small planes right why is that i mean you could just think about what we just described right you feel everything right so i mean the 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 structure of these aircraft they're tiny and i mean the atmosphere could be very brutal <laughs> you know like you the, you know you and then you know like in the in the um in the movie right it talked about how they're only allowed to go up to a certain altitude and if you know mm-hmm. you you you're going over certain terrain where you you're kind of limited in how you could maneuver i mean that in and of itself could be the end of you you know I want to ask you a direct question because I think I might know how John feels about this. When this thing started up, I'm kind of thinking these guys are schmucks. I'm thinking, why in God's name would they do this? Were you thinking the same thing or did you commiserate with their sense of accomplishment or adventure? Um, so my initial thoughts were, um, you know, why? Like this this why right it's like why right and then as they started to give their reasoning um i still didn't get it so, <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean if they had a certain destination if they you know i don't know but i 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize to me. Um, that's great. I mean, John, did you did you feel the same? Pretty much, you know, I, it was a it was mystifying. I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff at first. Start off, I was like, all right, this is kind of cool, and but then it just felt like what's going on here like it's it's the point of this is not to fly is it to fly is it to successfully be in this small plane but then they're also <laughs> trying to like talk about you know racism and then it's just well if you're going to fly around the world maybe have a better plane that you don't have to worry about crashing and just be comfortable and safe so you can get to your destination and then bridge the divide you know it just throwing in this crazy small plane just seemed like this really bizarre unnecessary risk <laughs> and it was not the point of the show and it was completely mystifying and then they named what did they name the plane baloo baloo <laughs> from from jungle book uh-huh uh-huh what does baloo say like it's uh, uh, a, they, they the, necessities. the bare necessities. The bare necessities. The bare necessities. That's, necessities. That's the and right away I was like, okay, I don't like these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. You have a better. And you have a bitch. Yeah, a better plane, and don't give it a cute name. <laughs> Just like we got our plane. Our right. Number one priority is to be safe. We want to get to our destination. I get the whole thing about adventure, and I did think the plane was really cool. Yeah. There's definitely some really cool parts about this show and some of the footage is i love the camera on the wing that was super cool it was a beautiful plane it was really nice and i let you know they seeing them do all the work to it i i get that like putting all the work into this plane refurbishing it getting it ready for this adventure that actually sounds pretty cool Mm -hmm. even though it might be very dangerous i get the sense of the adventure but then there were these other elements where i was like wait what But it did have some really cool shots, and there were elements about that, and just you know the, the the footage of them in the sky was really cool, and some truly amazing footage. So that part was pretty neat. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go back to the show about science. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a combo, right? There was this like super just these guys that love taking risks like a thrill seeking part of it was was really heavy at the beginning and then you're right throughout it was more and more heavy-handed sprinkled in of like we're all the same we're Mm -hmm. all people we need to get to know each other (laughs) (laughs) so i yeah i don't know i don't know how well it meant you know melted together uh both of those things but but i will say like it was it sounds like it was also a combination of this mystery producer that they had problems with. Yeah. Oh my god! Now, I wanted I know, to meet the person. Maybe I, Same. Maybe I'm jumping ahead, but you know, no. that was also like, well, who is this person that they're just freely? T- she clearly got fired, and they're adding in all this d- narration to post like. <laughs> that was so mystifying yeah. and bizarre. Yeah. yeah, it was really funny because, yeah, the first time they mention it, you think it's just going to be like a one-off. Like, the reason like, oh, we were weird. arguing was because of this producer. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. But you're right. They mentioned it like five times <laughs> in the movie. It was so strange. And we never get to hear from her. Sabrina, you're right. I would have loved to get their perspective on it. And, you know, there's always two sides to every story. So, you know, why was she putting them in danger? Why was she? I don't know. Um, I mean, John, do you have advice there? Have you ever had like a real jerk producer on on one of these shows and you had to deal with that? I've certainly maybe not on my shows. You know, we only hire the best (laughs) on my shows, the best. (laughs) 
But I've worked with some real morons, and it's just infuriating and mystifying uh, when people have these jobs and they're just—it's—it was probably just incompetence. I'm sure she didn't intentionally right. put them in danger, unless she's just a psychopath and thought, "Ooh, I'm going to do this, and it's going to make for great TV." And then she's just a psychopath. But it's probably just—or maybe it's a combo of just psychopathic incompetence. That's a bad combo. This this is a good question for you, Sabrina, too, because I'm sure you've been in some you know high stress relate you know uh, uh, moments you know high tension moments. Like, are you guys good at doing the whole count to ten? You know, breathe very calmly. Here's what I would prefer, please. I you're making me feel this way. Type conversation. Wait, who's they? Are you, you mean like NASA folks or? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't. I know you probably won't speak ill of NASA, but anyone in your life, NASA or otherwise, you know, are the, the jerk producer role in your life, you know, are, are you able to speak with them, you know, in the moment the way that you want to? No. <laughs> That's the short of it. Um, most of the time, you know, I've, I've, I've had some experience where. I was the younger person in the room and I specialized in something and maybe a scientist may not have liked my design and wanted to speak to a gentleman that was older than I, you know, was and, you know, he came back and said this, gave him the same answer I gave him, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I had to kind of, you know, just always fun. Yeah, but you know, always always fun to be condescended to. I, I mean, yeah, right. You know, but it's like the math; it is what it is. Um, so you were talking before about a specific area where you're flying below the weather. Uh, they were talking about how it's like fourteen thousand feet. They're flying in the weather, uh, and and I guess when we're flying all commercial, we're above the weather. So can you tell us like what issues can come with that? Because I assume it's a much more dangerous way to fly. Well, you think about it, right? Like you wanna you wanna be on top of the clouds when it's raining or storming versus on the bottom of the cloud, right? Well, mm-hmm. you know, so. I think, you know, for the most part, uh, again, just getting getting back to the fact that these are small aircraft. And so, you know, the weather could really do some damage to these uh, aircraft because they're so small and because um, you're limited in your, in, in, you know, your your max altitude. I mean, would would they be able to survive or you know, maneuver in any sort of inclement weather or, you know, if it starts raining, is that enough of a sign of like, hey, let's let's land. This is silly. So just like, you know, in the movie, right, like uh, they decided to, you know, fly through the storm and they couldn't see anything for miles. Right. Um, You know, they were talking to I believe they were talking to air traffic control and, and, you know, um, but for the most part, it's scary. Um, and depending on what type of weather there is, um, you could have, which we saw later on in the movie, how ice kind of like started to, the, the, basically started to like, you know, get frost all over the, the wings and that changes the balance of the aircraft. So now, you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're balancing of forces is, is, it's, it's difficult to have that balance. So then he had to kind of manually fly the plane and that's exhausting over time. So you could just think about all the things like that could go wrong if you can't fly the plane for for that long. Right. Because you're getting tired. 
um, you're changing the, the balance of the forces. So that could do some damage to the structure of the aircraft itself. Um, there's a lot of things that could happen. So you're, you're dropping speed because maybe your balance is off, right? So your speed is, a, you know, a function of all this stuff. So if you're going too slow, you're going to start to lower, you know, or whatever, depending on how the forces are. But all this affects everything. Balance, all this stuff. How you're using your fuel. But it all is a function of how long can you stay up there or how efficiently can you fly. Um, it all plays, plays a role. Yeah, I was amazed when they weren't they talking about stuff like yeah, you know, a lot of planes have these navig or these these systems that kind of let you know when something's coming. We don't have that. Like, wasn't there something where they or they had an antiquated version? Like, it felt like every decision they were making was just crazy to me. And maybe that was part of the adventure. I don't know, but it felt like we're going to fly into a storm and we don't have the proper navigation equipment. You know, and then that thing snapped and they had to pressurize it. That's when I thought. And you also have to, like Sabrina, when you're talking about the weight, like. As soon as they did that and had to pressurize like the fuel, they should have cut that guy's dreads and tossed him <laughs> off the side because that's adding extra weight to the plane, right? And when it's a white guy dreads, those are extra heavy because they're more annoying. So like they should have tossed those out the window and then they would have been more buoyant in the sky. So they mentioned the most, because you're talking about all these dangerous things. And, and I wrote down a quote where they say the most dangerous thing is ditching which I found that term really silly, but the, the term ditching is when you land on the water. And he was talking about some of the difficulties with that. Obviously they didn't have to do it, spoiler alert, but why is that such a huge issue? <laughs> why is landing a plane on the water such a huge issue? Yeah. <laughs> What's how I don't hard think you have is to that? Be a scientist, I don't. <laughs> okay. What's the? How hard is that? I mean, you just put water skis down instead of wheels, and we're done. No. Well, you can't do that in the middle of the air. <laughs> yeah, you just go close to the water and then replace the wheels with water skis. And well, I mean, sure, come on. You could do it like the like the military planes where they refuel in midair. Right. There should be a plane that gives you water skis while you're in the air. Yeah, the bottom of the and plane becomes a boat. What's the big deal? It should just be like a cartoon. Like it just, you should be able to, like it just, you hit a button and the wheels turn into. A, yeah, it should be a trick. That's they should have Come been flying on. a transformer. How expensive is it to hit a button and have this single-engine plane turn into a submarine and then just dive right into the water? Yeah, that was their mistake. Was not flying a plane with transformers technology in it. Mistake go. number one. That's yeah. like flying 101. Yeah, yeah. The dreads were number two, but mistake number one was not flying a transformer. <laughs> um, no, I mean, what what are the complications there, and what makes it such a, a you know a dire situation? Aside from just crashing into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, putting that on the side. Well, I mean, you know, just think. I mean, aside from that, planes are not designed to land on water. <laughs> <laughs> not e not every not every situation is a sully. Okay, I guess we can f un assume it's really freaking hard to land a plane on the water. That's just something you don't want to ever try. <laughs> no, no. Cool. No. Got it. Um, and if you do happen to land your plane on the water in the middle of the Pacific, apparently your body goes into swim failure where I guess you just get tired of swimming. Is that right? 
That's what they said. No, it was the, t- it, it was the temperatures. It was the frigid, cold temperatures. Yeah. That's why they're ah, wearing those suits, because yeah. the temperatures are so freezing. Hmm. Your body is just, I mean, that that was crazy to see them putting those suits on. That was another thing, like, hey, guys, just get a different plane. <laughs> then you have to <laughs> deal with this. Why fly the plane? Why fly the plane where you also have to put on the suit for frigid, cold waters? Yeah. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. The suits were super cool. Like, yeah. that was pretty cool. All the stuff in this thing I was very intrigued by because the plane's really cool, the camera shot, the suits, all the stuff, but it just mm-hmm. felt like unnecessary. I wanted to add on to your unnecessary items of this in this plane. They they For their last leg of the trip, they took a bunch of fuel with them in the cockpit. They were like, and they had to refuel like in flight. And I just thought that was wild. Is that like a common move to just be sitting there with a bunch of fuel next to you? I think it was dangerous. <laughs> Beyond yeah. dangerous. Because um, it seemed to me like, oh, this is illegal or I don't like someone should stop them. That was something I was wondering, like, uh, like if people like yourself, Sabrina, whether it's a scientist who's versed in, you know, the, the rights and wrongs of flying in these conditions or even pilots i was very curious what people that are more knowledgeable than the average viewer would would be thinking watching this like would people be going the fuck are these guys doing like they're and that's where i wonder was the producer making them do some of this stuff but if he's the pilot the, was it his jp yeah like, jp is, it seemed like pilot, it was his call doesn't isn't he the one that should be saying i don't know it, the whole thing well uh, they didn't i mean they were saying i think in the beginning that like the pilot community was just totally against them like doing this (laughs) yeah that's probably a red flag when you're about to take a trip around the world and the pilot community is against you it's the ultimate red flag all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back the break is over here we go back to the show about science so okay but none i guess it wasn't illegal because we have civilian pilots and civilian planes is that how that works so i'm not too familiar with the faa regulations so um i'm not quite sure but the fact that they did that like they definitely put their lives in danger i i thought it was yeah pretty silly a bunch of fuel you're literally sitting next to cartons and cartons of fuel seemed wild to me but they were allowed to do it nobody stopped them this is america i guess hey hey ethan this isn't just America. This is beyond borders. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now that's We're the trailer for the beyond borders. <laughs> okay, there are places where we can't fly, restricted airspaces, no fly zones. He mentions Area 51, so I got to ask you why that's a restricted airspace or what's going on there. He said that's like the number one restricted airspace. And then the other one was some spot that he accidentally flew into in Australia. So do you know about these places? So I probably know just as much as you do about the places, but what I can say is that, you know, the military, like they do have restricted uh, spaces and that's not just here on on Earth. (laughs) That's in space too. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so, um, you know, you don't get information about these things, or at least at my level, you know, I don't. It's just, you know, for instance, if if this was in space and we had aircraft, I mean, spacecraft that were, you know, near some restricted area, they, you know, just we get get a phone call that says, you know, maneuver your 
maneuver your craft and that's maneuver it Maneuver your damn craft out of here mm-hmm. what if as sabrina was telling us about this like some government dudes like broke into the door behind her and just kidnapped her <laughs> <laughs> like they like they knew she was starting to talk about classified so information much, so and, just like, <clears throat> and then just got out of there sabrina are, are you at, do you know if there's like are you familiar with you know area 51 are you allowed to say if there's we all know there's aliens there's yeah. no way there's not come on uh sabrina. it's so arrogant it's such an arrogant american opinion to say there's not yeah i plead the fifth <laughs> oh my Come on, god sabrina that means she's seen one yeah i was gonna she's say seen that, an alien either sabrina seen an alien sabrina seen an alien admit it did you shake did you shake its hand i can't tell you anything oh my god wow it's incredible i feel like she's really she's saying i can't tell you anything not as a joke she really just cannot comment on on aliens john oh man this is thrilling I, I, how can we trick her into telling us? <laughs> what do we? What combination of words? Just say, oh, oh this is a podcast about um, people that have had like intergalactic, uh, intergalactic interspecies romance. Like, did you kiss the alien? Do you have Sabrina. a cr- do you have a cr- do you have a crush on an alien? <laughs> oh, I met an alien. He was so cute. <laughs> Okay, obviously there's aliens. I'll just speak for you, Sabrina. There's definitely aliens. It's confirmed uh, by NASA, and um, they're out there, and they'll probably be on Earth, like, in a really public way in the next few years. So let's all, you know, get excited for that. Um, And as we're running short on time here, I have to mention climate change. They mentioned it a little bit. That was another, you know, kind of came out of sideways topic. on this documentary they went to greenland and they started talking about climate change because they can you know see it more over there i guess their ice is melting in a really you know drastic visceral way so can you tell me uh, how the atmosphere is being affected by all the things that we're doing here on land and on the ocean so i mean you could just think about like the sun rays from you know from the sun right like if there are no clouds we get that direct hit on the surface and uh the clouds are being affected by what's happening on the ground right so for instance if you're over a city like new york city right a lot of pollution a lot of things happening you can see it if you just look up and then if you go to long island and look up you can see the difference right in terms of the clouds and what's above so when you talk about a place like greenland um it's it's being warmed up more than normal right so think about the clouds there think about the activities happening there so those ice sheets are melting at a a rate that's higher than in previous years and we're trying to figure out why it's not so easy to figure out why because things happening in the sky are very dynamic and it's an interconnected system so it's not just what's happening in the atmosphere it's what's happening in the oceans. It's what's happening on the surface. And so we have to look at like how all this plays a role in like climate change. How scared should we be? Uh, how, I think that's, that's dependent on the person, but I think it's definitely a um, serious matter. How scared are you? How scared are the scientists? How scared are you right now? I'm not afraid, I guess, because I'm educating myself about it, right? So I'm educating myself about it and at least trying to be one of those people who 
empower myself to do something about it. Yeah, what can we do? That's a good question. I mean, because a lot of these, the main polluters are huge, giant companies. So what can we as lowly peasants do that actually makes somewhat of a, a change, a shift? Sabrina, are you willing... Are you willing right here now on this podcast to look in the camera and tell climate climate change deniers to go fuck themselves? (laughs) I mean, I won't say it like that, but I will say it's real. It's definitely real. And if you're not experiencing it where you are, like hurricanes in New York, right? Like all these things that, I mean, there is a shift in our climate. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, I don't know how people could deny it. Well, because people are crazy. Yeah, and I also think there's other reasons why. And I think, you know, maybe some of those reasons have to do with financial gain, you know. Hold on. Are you trying to tell me that corporations are greedy? (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. What if I said, what if I say, hey, climate change deniers, go fuck yourselves, and you just lip sing it? That way it's it's technically me saying it, right? But But then it's with the authority of science. I Is would that lo- a compromise? I would love Uh-oh, that. I lo- so, I mean, are there, besides educating ourselves, of course, are there, are there things that you suggest? Are there things that we should be aware of, things that we should be doing to, to help our fellow man, our fellow Earth? There are people out here who are gathering together and not just doing marches about it, but actually, like, um, you know, gathering data. Because the more people that gather data around the world and we share this information the more like we could figure out how to attack this problem, if you will, because it is a problem. And what's gonna happen, as we know, it's gonna be, you know, those that come after us who are going to really suffer from it. We might be okay, uh, but that the next generations to come may, you know, if we don't do anything now, they, they're the ones who are gonna suffer. Okay, on a, on a last point, this is just a, a curiosity uh, question, really. They go to all these different countries in the documentary, and I was curious if, if you two have been somewhere, either on vacation or a trip, that you, you, know, you suggest people check out. I, I really liked Nice, Nice, France. There was something peaceful about being in Nice. It just was like a, you were able to just kind of absorb everything that was around you, and it was just so peaceful and it was like you didn't have to do anything and that's that's something for me that is kind of foreign i always feel like i have to do something like so Mm -hmm. niece gave me that feeling okay niece friends john i think everybody should see the grand canyon at least once in person it's truly stunning and then cities i i I just new orleans popped in my head i've only been there Mm -hmm. once and i just loved it so much and Definitely felt like I want to go back, and especially with climate change, before it's underwater. <laughs> I think you got a few years. You have three, th- three to five. Um, well, I really appreciate both of you watching Beyond Borders, of course. But yeah, thank you both. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, John, if there's anything you want to tell people about or a way they can check out what you're doing, I know you're doing the office hours east. Um, but you know, feel free to tell everybody about whatever you want. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. You can check out Office Hours East. Yeah, look look it up on Instagram. Um, Sabrina, something you want to tell people about? Uh, sure. I mean, you already mentioned the Girl in Space book that's available on Amazon. Um, I'm trying to get that book into like the lives of so many young inner city kids for sure. Like, my daughter is nine. Would is it yes. too? Is she too young for no. it? No, 
No. She's a All right, girl age. in space. I'm going to go. All right, I'm going to check that out and get some. Yes. It's a series? It's, it's okay, a series, great. but that's book book one is out right now. So I'm still working on book two. And the rest. Girl Excellent. in space. Yeah. Girl yeah. in space. Do you want to go to space, Sabrina? Are you, you know, is that your trajectory? You know, I did have aspirations of going to space. I did apply, of course, because of COVID. Uh, they, they kind of... I mean, I, I'm assuming I'm still in the running. I didn't get a no, but okay. they definitely delay things a lot due to the pandemic. So we'll see. I'm down okay. if they choose me. If they select me, I'm, wow. I'm going to go. Um, okay. Well, thank you guys both. And, uh, and I'll see you next time um, when we talk about Sully, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ethan. Good meeting you, Sabrina. Yeah, same here. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, John. Of course. Bye-bye. Get exclusive science shows, nature documentaries, and more real-life entertainment on Discovery+. Plus. Go to discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience to start your seven-day free trial. That's discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience. Hosted and produced by Ethan Eatenberg. Executive producer, Brett Kushner. Supervising producer, Emily Feld. Producer, Darby Rose. Editor, Michael Feld. Talent booker, Samantha Barella. Post coordinator, Jason McCann. And research PA, Ali Rudenstein.